Welcome to Megaminds, the podcast that unlocks the secrets needed to scale your business from seven figures per year to seven figures per month and beyond. On the show, we pick the brains of leading business owners, marketing geniuses, growth experts, and serial entrepreneurs, tapping into their minds to uncover the true formula for e-commerce success. Now enjoy the episode and don't forget to subscribe. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Megaminds. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by Gen Furukawa. Gen is the founder of Prehook and has been in e-commerce for well over a decade with plenty of learnings about everything that's going on in the landscape. So Prehook is a quiz platform for Shopify merchants. But going even further back, Gen is the former VP of marketing at Jungle Scout, which was the first Amazon product research tool. And he also owns his own e-commerce marketing podcast called Cart Overflow. So Gen has experience either building or reviewing more than 500 different quiz funnels for direct-to-consumer brands, has plenty of oversight over the landscape. And I'm looking forward to picking your brain about everything that's going on in e-commerce and then as we usually do, a little bit about how you like to learn and grow and grow your own business. So again, welcome. Great to have you. Evan, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much. So you're joining us from Austin today over in the US. Indeed. Yeah. Can you hear my Texas accent? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> just kidding. No, just kidding. So I'm based in Australia. A lot of our guests are, actually, I guess I've been international, but how are you seeing the e-commerce landscape I guess, particularly in the US at the moment? Yeah. So what I've heard from a variety of sources and kind of like what I've seen is um, that things have been more challenging in in terms of like getting customers, acquisition costs of getting those customers, getting those customers to spend more with repeat purchases um, and and then targeting those customers. So um, yeah, it's it's been quite a challenge. And then of course, we have like the macro situation of uh, potential recession or, or uh, we're in a recession and people pulling back, even though we are moving towards uh, right now, mid-November, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and then the holiday season. Um, that's all to say, yeah, things are things are a little more difficult than they were, say, in the pandemic when things fast forwarded, you know, five years in terms of e-commerce penetration, at least in the States. Uh, but things have slowed down and then it's it's been unfortunate that there have been a lot of uh, layoffs in, in particular in, in my world of like the tech or e-commerce space. So, um, yeah, people are battening down the hatches and I think finding ways to do more with less, uh, would certainly make sense considering what the climate might be. Mm -hmm. I think you're bang on the money there that during the pandemic, we had a fast tracked environment where everyone moved toward e-commerce and shopping online out of necessity. Now, as things go back to the traditional sense of the word normal, people have that choice again. And we're seeing higher competition amongst brands. And because of the higher competition, you need more ways to separate yourself, which I think is a great segue to introduce us to Prehook. And something that you guys specialize in is that customer engagement. And there's an amazing quote on your LinkedIn profile, which I've screenshotted. Amazing things will happen when you listen to the customer. So I think that is a great way to summarize what Prehook is all about. But in your own words, why is it important to get that customer interaction and how can you use it as a differentiating factor in this now hyper-competitive landscape? Yeah, for sure. This is especially interesting in light of 
Black Friday, Cyber Monday, where consumers know there's going to be an onslaught of emails and notifications. Hey, like sales or surprise, we extended our sale by 24 hours. So there's going to be a lot of noise coming in. Um, but I think that there are a few interesting statistics to pull out that can show, okay, well, maybe if we do things differently, you can benefit. And one is that there's a customer experience gap. And that is that customers want a personalized experience, but are struggle to actually receive that. And that's because marketers are not delivering that. And that could be based on the customer data not being there or the technology not being there. These days, you know, Clavio was certainly powerful enough to offer personalized experiences. Um, but the other interesting fact is that customers are willing to share their data with the expectation that there's some personalized experience on the other end. So 83% of people are willing to share personal data. So this is like a, a great opportunity to ask just a few questions. And this is where a quiz comes in. You can ask a few questions, whether it's what their challenges are, what their goals are, what their preferences or interests are. Capture a lead, whether that's an email or SMS, and then recommend a product. And that that whole short engagement is, uh, we, we're seeing far higher opt-in rates than say just a generic, hey, join our list for 15% off. But if you're able to provide an engaging interactive experience, people are willing to leave their, leave their uh, email or phone number at a far higher rate. Uh, and we're seeing completion rates of say 50, 60, 70%. Um, so once you're able to get somebody in the quiz funnel, it's uh, a far greater likelihood of getting an opt-in. And then we're also seeing higher average order value and higher conversion rate of those who take the quiz because you know what, what they're looking for. People have explicitly shared what their challenges or their goals are. And with that few, like those few data points, you can really create a compelling pitch as a marketer to say, hey, I can take you from where you currently are, point A, to where you want to go, point B. And you know that's ultimately your job as a marketer is, is to help people realize their aspirational future self. So when we speak about personalization, how do we know what are the right questions to ask in this quiz? And I guess the follow-up from from that is how do you know what kind of personalization to then deliver in the email? Yeah, so the I think the, the most helpful way to start is to understand how you might be using the data. And that's ultimately in terms of segmentation, like what kind of segments are you gonna create on the back end? Um, whether it's, you know, if you're a skincare brand, what skin type they have, or uh, what challenges they're facing with. Is it rosacea, is it bumps, is it dullness of skin? And um, those those are really helpful because once you know that, you can put people down different flows and you can educate them in a different way. And that puts their, your product, uh, positions it slightly differently. And what's most important about that is those in those automations is that you're ultimately educating consumers specifically about what they want to learn and what's important to them. And so that heightens the or amplifies the relevance but then also helps you cut through the noise. And that's what I was saying earlier in terms of like, there's a lot of noise and, and bombarding of the inboxes that's going to happen. But if you can speak to what exactly they are interested in, uh, you are, you're going to increase the engagement. But then also it's such a critical thing. If you think about what Robert Cialdini, who wrote the book called Influence, one of his six pillars of influence is authority and expertise. And once you are able to establish expertise, people are far more willing to listen to what you have to say. And when you can know what people are looking for, then you're you're teaching them about that specific need and you're establishing your expertise, which totally sets you up for the conversion element once they're ready to purchase. 
that all makes sense to me. I want to dive a little bit more into the nitty gritty of this. So do you have any maybe case studies or examples of brands that you've done this for that, and you could walk us through what a quiz for them might look like and then what the targeting and segmenting you used after that quiz was like? Yeah, totally. Um, it's actually a uh, an Australian brand called T-Lixir. It's T-E-E-L-I-X-I-R and it's an adaptogen brand. So adaptogens are uh, like old plant-based medicinal remedies and largely based on uh, mushrooms. So think like reishi mushrooms or lion's mane mushrooms. They're they're, uh, really effective. The only thing is the modern consumer is not that familiar with both what adaptogens are and then which adaptogens are appropriate based on their needs. So whether it's sleeplessness or joint pain or anxiety, there's a different problem to address each of those needs. So uh, that was the the main challenge was consumer education and guiding people to the right product. And so I worked with the co-founder, Daniel Whitechurch of T-Elixir to kind of hone in on what their ideal quiz was and then how they'd be using the data. And so once he did optimize for the customer experience, understanding, okay, people are getting through this at a an uh, appropriate clip and completing the quiz, then they really optimized and, and got as many people as possible through the top of funnel and into the quiz. So that meant putting it on their hero image. So the first thing on the homepage people would see is take the quiz. Uh, it would be on their uh, on their homepage low, uh, down below. It would be in their header, it would be in the fixed nav, it would be in the footer. And then it was even as an exit intent pop-up. So when it seemed that somebody was about to close out, it was a pop-up that said, hey, uh, can't find what you're looking for, let us help. And so that was really effective in guiding people to the right product. Uh, and some of the interesting statistics based on them running the quiz is that those who took the quiz had a 35% increase in conversion rate. And in that sense, it's because it's easier for people to get to where they need to go um, if you're telling them what you're recommending and why. Um, they were able to 2x their opt-in rate and then uh, were able to get five times the revenue per lead than those that did not take the quiz. And I think that speaks a lot to uh, the data that they're using and how they're actually using the data to um, to pr pr uh, provide a more engaging and relevant uh, email, SMS, and website experience. I love that we can hear some concrete evidence about how this strategy actually works. And I'm sure you've worked with hundreds and hundreds of brands, and that's just one of many, but it's great to hear the specifics of what brands actually go through. So let's take a step back. We've gotten real deep into the into the quiz stuff very early. Yeah. I want to hear a little bit about your journey because you are the co-founder of Prehook and you have an extensive background in the e-commerce landscape. So tell me a little bit about how you got to where you are today and what made you want to create this, this software and this company and how you identified that there was a need for it in the first place. Yeah. Uh, so I was, um, as you mentioned in the intro, uh, part of the founding team of Jungle Scout. Uh, an Amazon product research tool. And so that was a, a remote team. Um, and so once Greg, who's a, Greg Mercer, the founder and CEO of Jungle Scout, he kind of like, he did a great job with uh, validating with a Chrome extension, like, hey, this is something that people need. This is uh, something that is a is a um, solving a urgent need for people. Um, then he started building out the web app. And that's where I connected with uh, two of the other developers who are building the SaaS version of the Jungle Scout extension. Um, and that's as in Diedrich. So 
Um, this was in the fall of 2015. So I'd really gotten to know as indeed working extensively with them. They're both developers and I, I'm the marketer, uh, basically doing everything customer facing. And it was always a goal of ours that we would be building our own software product and um, launching it. We wanted to stay in the e-commerce space, e-commerce enablement space like SaaS for sellers, um, but not in the Amazon space per se. So uh, we were exploring different opportunities and ideas in the Shopify ecosystem, one of which was a quiz. So at the time, a lot of merchants were using Typeform to mm -hmm. ask questions. So Typeform is a great product. The only challenge is it's not necessarily made for e-commerce. So it doesn't integrate with Shopify as well or Klaviyo or some of the other uh, tech products of an e-commerce um, brand. And so after doing research, and, and this is how we validated it, is um, is this something that would be helpful to you? Um, and then we just kind of like ask a lot more <laughs> similar to you know what you mentioned from the LinkedIn profile. And I think that was uh, that was the main validation. Mind you, this is all before iOS 14.5. So iOS 14.5 is um, Apple's update to basically offer consumer privacy. So you can't track as a marketer, you can't track people's behavior across different websites. What this means is it made it far harder for uh, marketers to run paid ads, to understand who they're targeting. So cost per clicks were increasing, cost per acquisition was increasing. And there was just a general greater urgency for brands to build a direct relationship with their customers, to know who they're, they're speaking with, and then uh, gather that data. So um, that was kind of like, in a nutshell, where we were, how we validated it. Uh, in 2020, we started uh, building it. it. took about maybe six months and then launched it in early 2021. And, uh, you know, from there, we, we really tried to stay as close to as many customers as possible to make sure that we were on the right track of building the, the features and the things that they needed in order to learn more about their customers and build a quiz um, to their needs. Why did you want to move away from Amazon? Uh, well, we, we were familiar with Amazon. I think from a technical perspective, there were a lot of challenges when you're working with Amazon's API. Uh, and so that was that was something that they thought was, um, was something that might be better to avoid. Uh, and also that the Shopify ecosystem seemed to have um, a great opportunity because there was a, a Shopify app store so mm -hmm. that's like one channel where kind of bottom of funnel people are going to um, to look to get your product. So that kind of makes it easier as a distribution channel. And then also is a, a low risk um, test in the sense that we could build a product relatively quickly and then see if it see if it works, test demand, and then um, move on from there. Um, but that was like one way that it, it was a discreet way to know who our customers were and how we could find them. Hmm. Okay. I've heard you throw around the term zero party data a few times. And yeah. I want to ask, first of all, for anyone who hasn't heard it before, can you give us a quick definition? But then also, why is it important? And how does it fit into the overall marketing strategy of brands to get this quote unquote zero party data? Yeah, sure. So zero party data is termed by Forrester, I believe, or Salesforce. Um, and it's data that a customer proactively and willingly shares with you. Contrast that with first-party data, which is data that a brand will track, but will track passively. So that's stuff like what you've ordered, your transaction history, maybe your your uh, lifetime value of a customer. Maybe it's 
how you engage with a website, whether it's product pages you visited or uh, actions like an abandoned card or abandoned checkout um, or engagement with an email. But a lot of the challenge with first party data is that you have um, implicit assumptions. So you're saying, okay, Evan bought this moisturizer, so therefore Evan has this type of skin and we'll, we'll send him stuff related to that. The challenge is, of course, Evan could be buying it for his friend or his family or a gift or whatever it is, um, but we don't know that. But we do know if Evan fills out a quiz, we can ask him, who are you shopping for or what type of skin do you have? Um, what are the, the skin challenges you're trying to solve with, with this product? Um, and so it's just a, a more direct route once you're able to ask directly what people want, um, as opposed to you know, second and third party data is basically repackaged and sold and anonymized. The challenge there is you don't know who these people are, you don't know when the data was gathered, uh, and it's often um, kind of like aggregated data, anonymized aggregated data. So it's going to be far less accurate and you know true true data per se. And as we touched on earlier, especially in the competitive landscape, getting that data and that real customer interaction and listening that authenticity, that connection is what's going to separate yourself. So besides yeah. besides a quiz, which is something we've chatted about a fair bit, do you have any other tips that brands maybe you've used with Prehook, maybe not, could could implement to help get a better understanding of their customer? Yeah, I think uh, another great point is a post-purchase survey. So I was speaking with... Um, no commerce that's k-n-o commerce and they're a great post-purchase survey tool and what's interesting there is that these the, the customer attribution from the customer's perspective is very different than what you as a marketer might see come through in google analytics or triple whale or northbeam some of these attribution tools and so getting this attribution data directly from the customers is also zero party data because you're asking them and they're, they're telling you hey I heard about you on this podcast, and then you can use conditional logic, which podcast. Uh, you can also use it more for the conversion rate optimization of what prevented you from buying, or you can also use it in terms of um, length to purchase, time to purchase. And so these are all really helpful to add more uh, specificity and insight into your marketing because you're making significant decisions based on your marketing spend and what channels you're putting towards with the assumption of like, you know, a given cost per acquisition. So that that's a, a really helpful thing. And, and that's something that you might set up once and, and then um, you're continuing to gather this data. Something to I'd love to add on to that is yes, a post purchase survey can get very meaningful, very insightful data. But if we look at it from a traditional standpoint as well, if you're a founder of a business, get on the phone and chat to your customers and give that, that give them that one-on-one -on -one experience because then you're creating a moment that's memorable. And when you can create memorable moments, that's when you get customers for the long-term, not just once-off purchases. So I think we're, we're moving toward a, an era of not only personalization as you're doing, but also of 
going above and beyond for customer service, things like handwritten notes or getting on the phone or putting gifts in the packaging if you're sending out products, um, which I think is which is I think is great because digital marketing and traditional marketing are kind of having this intersecting moment in order to stand out. Yeah, absolutely. And and the thing is with a third party quiz, a lot of the data goes directly to your CRM. So whether it's a Clavio or OmniSend. Um, and say you're using that with Postpilot, which sends direct mail, um, you're able to gather the, that data about the customer as a custom property. So uh, Evan's telling us a lot about himself through these different channels. It's all stored on Evan's contact profile in Clavio. And so um, whether it's you know Evan's running in for a support ticket or uh, you're going to send Evan a postcard, uh, there's a lot more rich info about Evan. And, and I think you're absolutely right that there is the element of personalization, but then there's almost the omni-channel communication. And it might be might be a phone call, might be a video call, might be a postcard, might be an uh, SMS, whatever. But um, what you know about a customer can create those meaningful experiences, memorable experiences, as you call them. How would you go about marketing your brand, Prehook, given, you know, given everything we've spoken about? Maybe let's take a step, step back from, from quizzes and take a step back from from that customer experience and just more generally, how do you market your brands? Because I'm sure there would be many similarities to, to direct co to consumer brands as well, even though it is just more of a software as a service. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. I think, so what, what we've done thus far is really, it's been a focus on partnerships and content. So that, that feeds in, let's talk content first. Um, the podcast is a great way to mm -hmm. uh, have an audio. You you have you can do a written summary. You can chop it up and do um, short you know shorts or or um, TikTok or whatever it is um, short snippets of value, um, which is great. Then I think that there is a relationship element, and that feeds into both content and also partnerships. Um, so I've um, I'm nearing actually a hundred episodes uh, with a podcast. So it's been everywhere from agencies to brand owners to tech partners, um, consultants. And it's been really interesting, um, but it's a great way to like just speak with people and learn. Um, and then I, I think ultimately the, the name of the game or, or success is like how much brand awareness you have. And I think the challenge with a, a software product, and, and this also applies to direct-to-consumer brands, is the differentiation is kind of narrowing. The margin of differentiation is narrowing. So a lot mm -hmm. of it comes down to what people think about your brand or what's the first thing that was the first brand that pops into their mind if they say, I need, you know, I need a white t-shirt or I need, uh, I need a quiz or I need email. And, and so uh, there are a lot of incumbent players in different spaces. And, and ideally that's where we would get into that conversation that like, Hey, we're, we're kind of the go-to for this particular need. Two very good and rather unique strategies, considering we do speak a lot about e-commerce marketing in general on this podcast. But something that stands out to me is that a podcast for marketing purposes and developing partnerships are both medium to long-term marketing strategies. So in the early days, when you were trying to make a name for yourself, get those few initial customers, did you do anything different? How did you get the the runs on the board bef before the effect of the podcast and the networking came into fruition? Yeah, that's a good good point. Um, a lot of it was just manual outreach and then community. So there are 
Like for me, for example, it's uh, e-commerce brands, specifically merchants who are selling on Shopify. And so uh, that's where I do like, it's this, it's within this realm of content, like uh, build in public, or at least sharing the milestones. Like, and that's a challenge with so- software is it takes a while to build out. So you have this, this um, runway basically from like, hey, we're doing this, we're gonna launch this product. Well, six months later, we're gonna have the product live. So what are you gonna do in between then? And so that's where the content fits in. You're going to try and um, reach out, kind of like start contributing to the community. Um, but then also the, the quid pro quo there is like in the community, hey, like we're, we're starting to work this. Let's maybe we can do some initial conversations, some uh, like kind of like product discovery or customer discovery calls. And then for those that it did make sense, I just made a list. Hey, I'll reach out back to you um, once we're able to launch and, and get live and have your your our quiz on your product. So, um, yeah, that's that's a really good question. But I think to start um, before you might even just ramp up and, and and scale, it's more important to kind of stay close to the initial customers, make sure that it makes sense, and and that also the product isn't broken. Mm. Essentially, you're you're finding your MVP in the software exactly. world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Love that. Okay. Well, um, where do I want to take this? I think before we start to chat about your approach to learning and running your own business, let's take a step back. As someone who interacts with hundreds to date, thousands of different brands, what, and you can't say lack of quizzes, what do you (laughs) think are some of the biggest mistakes and the most common mistakes that brand owners are making? especially what if that's e-commerce or something else yeah well it's it's not a lack of quiz but um maybe relatedly is a reliance on a discount in order to get an opt-in mm-hmm. so i've seen obviously 10 percent, 15 percent, 20 percent, and i think like that seems like a short-term sacrifice for long-term uh negative impact. And so it's a negative impact on the brand equity where, you know, 10, 10 seconds into visiting a site, you're being offered a discount. And that that automatically trains the consumer to say, okay, yeah, like I, I I can get a discount. What I'm seeing here is not a full price. Um, you'll often see that during the checkout, you know, like apply promo code. Um, you know, I'm, I'm that guy that will say, all right, what is a promo code? Ironically, Retail Me Not is based, you know, not too far away from me now. Um, but that that discount falls directly or comes directly from uh, the gross margin or the the top line revenue. And so it's a profit drain um, and has impact on the brand equity. And then what you're getting is a, a lead with uh, no real context. So um, that's one thing is leading with a discount. Whereas if you did something, whether it's more um, like a, a value added hook, maybe it's a it's an ebook, which is free, or maybe it's a gift with purchase, or maybe it's uh, a community or, or whatever. Um, there are many different ways to think about it, but it doesn't necessarily need to come directly as a, a, a dollar discount. So to summarize that, would you say it's over-reliance on discounts and lack of innovation in ways to make the customer buy into the journey? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely was meaning more the the first part was uh, reliance on a discount. Um, but yeah, that that's a, a good add on is like 
a way to meaningfully hook people into the journey. Um, and I guess it does come down to copywriting and what kind of hook you can, you can create. Mm. What have you seen to be some of the successful hooks when it comes to copywriting in this space? I know um, it's extreme, extremely brand dependent, but the, yeah. the human, human psychology tends to have patterns. Totally. And I think that's exactly it. it it's uh, the human tendency to want to learn more about ourselves is, is that. So it's like discovery. So um, whether it's a, a coffee brand, hey, um, what, find, find the perfect coffee for your needs or, or, or wine for your needs or get your personalized routine or see what your uh, hair type is. Um, these are things where we're learning about ourselves. And so we're happy to take that minute to engage with a few questions and then we can leave it up upon the brand to teach us about ourselves. So um, it's that curiosity, it's that uh, curiosity gap that's very powerful in creating the hook. And then even more so that we're learning about ourselves in that, with that curiosity. Hmm. I, think, I think curiosity is a great word for this conversation and one that's probably overlooked in mm. a lot of a lot of e-commerce businesses is just thinking about what are people interested in not not what are the facts not what are the pain points not what are the benefits they're after but what do they want to learn more about so mm -hmm. i think that's a that's a great point and certainly an eye-opener yeah so again let's pivot this chat i want to pick your brain about how you operate as a business owner, as someone who loves to learn, as someone who interacts with so many different brands. So I guess let's start holistically. Do you have some sort of learning philosophy to ensure that you're always on the nose of trends? You always know what's going on in the landscape, especially in the tech landscape. Everything changes very, very quickly. So, so how do you coordinate that area of your life? Yeah. You know, I, I, for me, a lot of it is with the conversations, people who are in the trenches. And, and so that's another benefit of the podcast is because I can ask, I mean, in some ways it's, 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 um, driven by my own self-interest and you might find the same as a podcast host, like you're learning so much and, and so you can, um, cherry pick these guests that are experts in these, uh, fields that you want to learn more about. So that's been great. Um, and then recently I've just found that like e-commerce is uh very active on twitter so there's kind of like this dtc direct to consumer twitter um but i just find that twitter is like a great public forum to learn and kind of like um take a lot of attention but at times so I, I i do learn a lot there um and then also from there is writing and so i, I do it um and i'm not necessarily great at it and it's not easy for me um, but I, I do try because I find that that's one way to help organize and distill thoughts, um, in a way so I can like actually learn them better myself so I can write them down and help others learn, um, what I'm gathering. So it's kind of like the, uh, like the, the, the gathering of information, the, the organization of information and kind of like, uh, representing that, um, to others. And so that's been helpful, I think, in me learning. Mm. Yeah, I think those are some some very good areas, particularly Twitter. Are there any people who you have got the most value from? Any people you'd like to you when you log on? Is there someone's profile you type the name in and just see what they're what they're saying about the field? 
Yeah. Um, Moyes, Moyes, Ali, and Nick Sharma um, mm-hmm. have been, they're kind of like thought leaders in the space. And Moyes, Ali, he sold native deodorant to Procter & Gamble for a $100 million plus or whatever. Um, and I just find that they, they're, they have a podcast too, and they, they have a lot of candid thoughts. Um, and so kind of boots on the ground perspective that I find very helpful and interesting. Um, and then, yeah, so what I was doing initially is just building lists, you know, so let, let's see like who's in, in the different conversations that are, are relevant or interesting to me, and then build like kind of private lists so I can go through and get, get my own feed. Um, cause there's definitely a lot of noise in Twitter, but if you're able to curate it, narrow it down, it becomes, uh, far more signal than noise. Hmm. I've been using a software recently called Tweet Hunter, where you can import, oh, yeah. a, import a list that you create, and then it kind of gets rid of all that noise for you, and you can interact a lot more efficiently. Uh, and there's plenty of other kind of tools like that, and th- new things are popping up every day. I'm sure you're already aware of that being in the field, uh, but for anyone who isn't aware, just thought I'd let them know. Yeah. What about as a business owner, it's certainly time consuming. Do you have any sort of structure into how you organize your day to maintain that work-life balance? And how do you, yeah, I guess let's just keep it general. What's your tips for time management for someone who has their own business? Yeah. um, I I do try and exercise in the morning. Um, That that's one thing I I work from home and I have a a six-year-old and a one-year-old. So there's definitely a challenge of time management. Um, And I do try and, uh, like for me, the priority is is spending time with family, especially because you know their their lives go so fast. And um, so, I definitely do everything within like nine to five, nine to six, um, and that really is a, a short day. So um, one helpful thing is basically like prioritizing. So write like you know three things. Uh, my wife got me a journal, productivity journal, basically to jot down things. So like jot down what the three things that I need to do, top priorities, um, and then just kind of like move down sequentially. Honestly, three is a little much. You could just do, uh, you know, one, maybe two. Um, and then also like staying focused. Um, there's a little um, extension called the Pomodoro technique or Pomodoro app. Basically, you're yeah. just doing 25-minute focus sessions uh, and it'll it'll beep and, and turn off at 25 minutes. You can change the timing, but... Um, at least that's a mental gauge for me. Like, all right, this is what we're doing. So for 25 minutes, cause it's so easy to move between things or if you like, we're getting pings all day, that's obviously going to be a detriment to focus. Mm-hmm. I do something similar with a Chrome extension called strict workflow and that you can import a list of websites that you don't want to go on. You don't, maybe that's um, social media, YouTube, um, even email. I've put Slack in there and I only use the website version of Slack rather than the app and it physically locks you out of those websites. So if you are someone who, you know, just wants to go check here and there and then that one minute distraction turns into a 10 minute distraction, this physically locks you out for that 25 minutes. So if you need a little bit of help, strict workflow is the Chrome extension that has made yeah, my life so much know. easier. <laughs> good to know. I might check that out. What would you say is one of one or two of the most important lessons you've learned growing a business honestly like there's no silver bullet or shortcut 
And it, a lot of it, like, especially because we're bootstrapping, a lot of it just becomes about consistency and actually doing it. And, you know, like I, I can fall into the trap of like, oh, I can do more research or I can, I can like learn more about it before I actually do it. Uh, hence why I haven't done TikTok, even though it's like, eh, how hard could it be to put up a, you know, 15 second video? Um, but there, there's that, there's like the consistency and execution. I think that's critical. And then also what I found, and I'm, I'm not good about this is being stretched too thin that there are so many different channels. Any of them can work and can contribute to your success, whether it's LinkedIn, Twitter, yeah, writing a, a newsletter or whatever, uh, but maybe narrowing down what that is, because if you dilute your efforts too much, then ultimately they become ineffective. And um, so I think it's it's a little bit of a counterintuitive thing to say, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to focus on it um, and just put the blinders on it and work on one or two channels um, and then repurpose from there. But I think that's what I've learned is where I would be able to make more impact. I think a great tip for that last point you've mentioned is to put a dollar value on your time. What is one hour of Gen's time worth? And then looking at your list of things, if there's anything that isn't matching up to that, delegate it or mm -hmm. don't do it because it's not as important as some of the others. So I think just having that dollar figure in mind, little, little reminder of what you should be focusing on. Totally. That's great. So again, before we wrap things up, it's tradition on the podcast to go through a few rapid fire questions, short nice. and sweet, keep your answers to one word, one sentence, if you can, ready to roll. Let's do it. If you could go back in time to before you started prehook and even if you like, before you started jungle scout, what advice would you give to yourself? This would be in 2006. I signed a four-year contract to do sales. I said, don't do it. <laughs> uh, it would be, you know, it, it, it will all be okay. I, I played it too safe. And then I was, um, it was to my detriment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it will be okay, I think. It will be okay. Love it. What? besides Twitter, since we've chatted about it already, would be your most valuable resource? Be that a book, a course, a mentor? I really liked the Russell Brunson books, uh, Expert Secrets and Traffic Secrets. I, I think he distills marketing down to very, uh, he simplifies it in a way that's easy to grasp, but so critical and, and so those fundamentals. and. Um, so I've read them a couple of times and I, I probably should go back again, but they're, they're really fantastic resources. Love it. Next question. What habit that you have developed has had the biggest positive impact on your life, whether that's personally or professionally? I love playing basketball. And so I play three times a week in the morning and I think like that's had a great impact, obviously for the health benefits, but uh, I wake up early, I do it. And so it's, it's a social thing. Um, and I think like that, that is a time for me, which my wife generously grants me because I, you know, she takes care of the kids when I'm doing that, but yeah, to have that exercise and that social activity in one and something that I love, 
trying to constantly improve is really uh it's something that that makes me feel happy amazing what has been your most effective marketing tool to date to market prehook you know ironically it might be it's not a tool are you talking like a software tool in the past some people have said meta ads some people have said networking maybe oh. email market marketing but i want you to take this in whatever way you whatever comes to mind for sure yeah so we we kind of like in the onboarding prehook can be slightly challenging to onboard because it's a simple tool but it can be be complicated and require a lot of uh hand holding so it's not super easy to get set up um and to offset this i i basically make my calendar as accessible as possible so i include links to um like a handful of emails in the onboarding we have intercom for in-app onboarding we have our own little like help um widget modal and so it's always like hey if you're having tr trouble challenges please book a call and so that's been really helpful i think in getting people set up getting them happy uh for retention and, and lifetime value but then also for shopify apps in particular there's the social element of ratings you know leave a review for this app um and so that impacts organic ranking and general like social credibility and so i get that from the calls so i would say that in answer to that it would be zoom i'm trying to mm. get everybody down to like set up a zoom call in your onboarding process so i can help and you at least feel like you have a conduit to somebody at the at the company who's got your best interests in mind so to me that sounds like customer service and transparency and ease of use is what you're going for yeah that's a good way to put it success customer success great and last question what is the one piece of advice you'd like to give to entrepreneurs looking to grow their businesses do you have any final words of wisdom to share yeah i I think the the challenge is to for me at this point is like damn this is this this can be really hard and so working with co-founders because I've done it myself working with co-founders is a game changer and if you already are on that path and you don't have co-founders finding whether it's accountability groups or um uh like pods um uh, those masterminds whatever it is I've done all of them uh, but having some regular cadence of conversation and accountability tracking has been tremendously helpful um and also like as a, an emotional support you know it it's sometimes you feel like it's very lonely but um people other people who are in a similar space similar place is great love that accountability super important but also support you know you're we're all on this journey of learning and growing together so it's more fun when you do it alongside other people, if exactly. you ask me. Totally. All right, Dan. Well, I think we will wrap it up there. Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon for you, this morning for me. It's been a pleasure. I've learned a lot about the customer experience, why we should have quizzes, and how we can get customers to buy in to that journey and avoid just giving that cookie cutter discount. So I want to say thanks for sharing your knowledge. If someone wants to connect with you, learn a little bit more about 
pre-hook or what you do, how should they do so? Yeah, please feel free to reach out directly. Again, that's G-E-N at prehook.com. Uh, you can check out the website, prehook.com. We have a, a bunch of resources to um, show you how different brands use quizzes and then how you can actually implement it depending on your niche. Um, and then, yeah, I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn, just again, G-E-N, Furukawa. And you also have your own podcast, Cart Overflow. So if That's you right. guys are looking for more content to consume, go give it a listen. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you to everyone for listening. Make sure to send this to one person who you think would really benefit from hearing what Gen has said about that customer experience and customer relationship. And if you have any questions, send me a message on LinkedIn or Twitter. Send Gen a message on LinkedIn or Twitter or email him. And don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. So we'll leave it there. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning into the Megaminds podcast. If you're looking to scale your own e-commerce business, get in touch for a free strategy session.